if you think you know what Sharks Come Cruising sounds like, mm -hmm. you should probably give this record a listen because it might surprise you. Hello and welcome to Where the Living Room Used to Be, a podcast about Rhode Island's music scene. Hey everyone, it's James. My guest on this episode is Mark Lambert, who happens to be the first person I ever interviewed for this podcast over four and a half years ago. Our focus for this conversation was on the discography of his band Sharks Come Cruisin', which spans eight releases over 17 years and leads all the way up to their brand new album, I Wish I Was on Gansett Bay, set to come out on October 20th. You can actually pre-order it now over at sharkscomecruisin.com. We cover a lot with this one, from the places the band is recorded, to the inventive and unique packaging they've done with many of the releases. It's always a great time getting to chat with Mark, and I really do love getting to share his story. Hope you all enjoy. I'd love to go back just a little bit and talk about some of the the earlier work that you did. Um, and even just, you know, with that question that came to mind of, like, you've done this... Uh, as a, as a band, but even like more specifically, you you've done a lot of this stuff. Like it has been very much that like punk DIY. Like mm -hmm. you are, uh, you know, printing jackets, uh, like burning CDs, <laughs> like all of this type of stuff. Yep. Um, like how much of that was um, something that you wanted to do because it was you know part of that that like ethos of, of doing things and you know not to say that you wanted to control of it in like a bad way but just you know wanted yeah. to do things a certain way or was it just kind of like how how things kind of yeah i think it's out, an interesting you know? question i think i think part of it is that i don't know anything else really oh, okay um, like just it, growing up in that yeah like, punk i scene. mean it's like well we're gonna put our record i'm gonna put out the record you know like yeah, yeah i mean the first recordings i did it was making tapes and when you make the tape you make the jacket and you know consuming as as much music as I was at the time it's like you get excited about that line yeah. of notes thank you lists pictures all of that stuff yeah, yeah. so um I think I always really enjoyed putting that stuff together and also not waiting for somebody else to do it I mean mm -hmm. it's it's you know, it's just as a musician at some point, I think you have to make the choice to say, we didn't know it was DIY back then, you know, like yeah. no one was really calling it do it yourself, but it's what everybody was doing, you know? So, yeah. um, and I think a lot of that does follow through all the way up till today. I mean, we'll talk about the stuff that I'm doing with the, with the record and, um, how yesterday I was putting labels on cd cases because that's just yeah you know i have an idea i have a vision and like i want to see if it's going to work and i make prototypes and then they do work and you know i'm really happy with them and we we have gone the other way i mean we'll get to it but we can talk about you know the the a past record and yeah that was 
you know, factory you know, pressed. Yeah. Thing. Yes. I mean, that was definitely, we, you know, had a friend do the artwork and, um, but I think as far as the packaging stuff goes, if we're going to talk about the releases for Sharks Come Cruising, we're going to get into some interesting. Yeah. Packaging. Yeah. Which I love. <laughs> I love. Yeah. But yeah, I guess so let's just kind of get into it. And I mean, we'll start at, yeah. we'll start at the start, you know, yeah. so the first release for the band was live at jake's yep. which came out february of 2006 um why did you decide to have the first release be this live this live album and, and when why the, at jake's yeah it's well uh i never when when i started playing the sea shanties um i never really envisioned it being a uh recorded band because I thought okay. the, the audience was, you know, the vision was that the audience was going to be so integral to the, uh, to the experience that, you know, we would need those voices on yeah. the record. So yeah, like a crowd of people. Yeah. And I think the decision for Jake's was just that we were playing at Jake's, uh, Anthony from Barn Burning got, Sharks Come Cruising, their first couple of Jake shows. We played with Barn Burning, probably the first, you know, I want to say handful of shows were probably us and them. Mm -hmm. And um, as you know, because you were there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and I knew that they had the sound system and then some of Jay Byrne did a, a, a record there. Oh, okay. Um, I'm not sure... If it, if it was a live record or if they if they took it off the board and um, I started asking some questions and Greg Bass was the person who put the sound system in. I, I think I'm remembering that correctly. I, I know I'm remembering it correctly because I just talked to him recently about it. Um, and I asked him if he would do the same for us. If oh, you okay. Just, if so you it was just recorded off the board. Rec recording yeah. off the board. Uh, it, but then we ended up going to Greg's studio um, and we did a few overdubs um, and, and mixed it with him, but it was really, it was pretty no frills. It was like, yeah, you know, I wasn't interested in making it anything more than what it was. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I still enjoy listening to that record. It's cringy. There's definitely some moments on it that I'm like, ugh. Um, but like just the, from the how the songs were performed. Or, yeah, yeah. It, it, the my guitar sound. Like I wasn't when I first started playing the shanties. I was playing them all acoustic, uh -huh. and the only amplifier I had available to me was my Marshall. Um, like a half stack? It was a, a, a Marshall head JCM 900 with a two, ten, two uh, ten inch speaker cab, or they might be 12 inch speakers, I'm not sure. But it, it was way over. I mean, you shouldn't be playing an acoustic guitar through it. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and I was switching off between the acoustic and my electric, and, you know, we just didn't know where. We didn't know what I didn't know what I was doing as far as like a guitar sound went. All I knew is I needed to be louder than the audience, so I plugged yeah. into this amplifier. And um, thankfully, we had Paul Doobie on accordion for that mm -hmm. show because I think that really added like an extra layer. So the personnel on that record it was Seth Forden was on bass, 
Ed Wenzel was playing drums, and then it was Paul playing accordion and me. Mm-hmm. I don't even, Eric's not on that recording. No. Um, yeah. So the accordion really gave it, I thought, like this special flavor. It yeah. was like, it yeah. wasn't just a, you know, it wasn't your average rock record. And then, of course, the audience totally came through. We were getting decent crowds then. And yeah, I mean, Jake's would fill up yep. and it, would, it was a good, it was, like, the vibe of it was great. And the, we had, Mike's in the audience and everybody sang along and it was, uh, I like that record. And yeah. I did, a, I did a hundred, I burned a hundred CDs. There was some kind of service back then where you could like, it was like a CD baby like service where you could post, you could upload your audio and they would, uh, they would send you these burnt discs and I, I think I ordered I ordered a hundred of those. Yeah, like a spindle came back or whatever. I don't I don't like I don't even yeah I, I forget how that worked or like maybe people ordered them themselves. I forget. It was in the early days of those transactional internet yeah, yeah. things. <laughs> um, it was actually a company that did books. You could like upload book oh, really? text and like they would make books on demand, and then wow. they expanded that service to to CDs. And that's where I think I ordered a few of them from there. And it was, I, I got paper labels at Staples or whatever yeah. and printed them out and numbered them one to a hundred. And I made sure that everybody who I knew was at the show got a copy of the CD. I don't even think I charged for it. It was just yeah. like, you were there. So here's a document of it. So, yeah. And it, re- recently I've, like I, I don't burn that that disc anymore. <laughs> it's yeah. for free through the website. If anybody's interested, Let's in, check it out. Yeah. yeah, in those tracks. We were walking her out from the docks, singing "Where All and Go." You pretty young girls come with bell and flocks, singing "Rollickin' Randy Dandy But then, you know, a couple years later, you did Four Years Before the Mast, um, which is a six-song EP, 2008. Um, that was in a studio. It was with uh, yeah. Wayne Jeffrey, right? Yep. Which was... Uh, uh, Liberty and Union. Yeah. Is that what it was called? Uh, yeah, I think it was, yeah. yeah. In Taunton. Taunton. Yeah. yeah. And I think you were the catalyst for that. I think you knew Ray. I did know Ray, yeah, because he, I, you know, uh, was 
kind of part of the same like Worcester, even though he's from Taunton, was just his yeah. early band in the 90s. East Side was very big in Worcester. So I played with them back um, in the day at a few yeah, skate parks. Um, you and Anthony had said, oh, Ray, he's got mm-hmm. this studio. And uh, we got in touch. And I was still a little apprehensive of trying to do a studio record because I didn't <clears throat> really think it was a studio band. Uh-huh. But I... I think I convinced myself that if we could get our friends into the studio to sing the choruses with us, it would be it would be similar to the vibe that we were looking for. Yeah. And um and that was also Seth Forden was in the studio, Ed was in the studio, um Paul came in and I think did Eric play on that record? I think Eric's on I think that he record. Did. Yeah. yeah. Um Banjo is on the record. Um, and that's where I discovered guitar tone. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> I brought my rig in, into the studio and, um, by that time I had eased off a lot of the acoustic playing. It was all pretty much electric. Yeah. There's Jeff one SG there's, right at the time or what's that? Was it, it, the yeah. SG. So I had my SG and the Marshall rig and I brought it in and we played through a few songs and Ray was like. I just, you know, I'm not pushing it on you, but like, I got this, you know, L6S Gibson that's got really nice tone, and he had a trainer amp, mm-hmm. and um, it was just like the difference was night and day, and I was yeah. like, oh, this is what people talk about when they talk about <laughs> guitar tone. It's yeah. <laughs> it was so warm and sounded really nice. Coming out of that whole experience, I ended up buying not that L6S off of Ray, but a, another one that he had, which I still have. Um, yeah. And I bought Anthony's Fender um, amplifier yeah. tube amp that I still have. And if I'm going to play electric, that's usually my go-to. It's just, yeah. you know, I learned that a good guitar tone makes for a very good recording. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and that that whole experience was it was a lot of fun. It was six song EP, you know, yeah. uh, and we did do Santiano on that record, which is more of an acoustic track. Which I didn't want to totally get away from that part of the band. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to abandon it, so we did do. It's a very different song from all the others on the EP. Yeah, yeah. And that was done through seventy five or less, correct? Yeah, they ended up. Uh, they ended up, Mark, we worked with Mark to get uh, the CDs yeah, yep, okay. through him. Cool. Yeah, and that's when things, like, started to really, like, take off, you know. Um, I mean, as much as things can take off in kind of a local way. Uh-huh. Uh, with that record, it seemed like people were very interested to coming out to the shows. Um, and... Like we still play a lot of the songs on that record. The Mermaid is like a staple in our set. Yeah, um, and we did bring all our friends in, and they did sing along with us. Um, we did some stomping on a piece of plywood. I remember Ray <laughs> like he's like I can hear some like marching in this one, and uh, it might have been Cape Cod Girls. I think uh, he brought in a piece of plywood from outside and we all stomped on it yeah it yeah. gave it a really really cool sound <laughs> yeah definitely that's cool yeah and uh that one you know as the years have gone by 
I just continued to burn those CDs as we as we ran out of them and you know yeah I think I just finished up my last batch of uh the the cases that I had for it and I said once those are gone that one I won't I won't be doing anymore oh, okay so once this last batch goes that'll yeah. be it for probably a physical copy of four years before the mast yeah so people should pick it up uh, oh yeah, whatever's in the merch box. <laughs> Go to a show. Go buy it before it's you know out of print. That's right. So. That's right. talking about out of print you know following that did the providence peer sessions uh which i couldn't remember what year it was it was 2009 2010 well, maybe or something it'll like that, surprise but. you james but i actually have a little time you, so. you have a time all right let me very prepared let me pull that up well th i did this years ago because i was um I started losing track of when people started leaving the band and that that like <laughs> So like it's more of like a sharks from cruising like yeah i just i just was kind of <laughs> uh interested yeah. in knowing um when the comings and goings of yeah. individuals were well, good, i mean i don't have a very good memory but mm. there's a lot of stuff just from what whether just you know yeah the, so playing so many shows or um wow that's really cool like you you got a little picture in here when, yeah. when james joined um yeah, so the first show in uh, 2004, and then, you know, the recording that you just talked about, the Live at Jake's, and then we released Four Years in 2008, Providence Piers 2009, so okay. it was a pretty short amount of time between those shows, but there was a dramatic shift in the band, um, Yeah, because uh, as before we even did the record release for Four Years Before the Mast, Ed had already told us that he was leaving. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll never forget, we were in this house where we're sitting right now, we were listening to the mastered copy of the record, and it was me and Seth and Ed, and Ed was like, yeah, I think you guys are probably gonna get like more shows than I wanna do now that this record is done. <laughs> He's like, I just, I'm, I'm not, you know, not, up for you know he just he was as you can appreciate james is a drummer he was like it's just packing the drums in and out for all the shows it's just a drag and he he was somebody who had a lot of fun in the basement playing music yeah um and i think he just it was it was time to move on so yeah yeah um that's when you joined um, yeah because 
Did you play the record release? No. Oh no, Ed played the record release, but then you like slotted in almost immediately after. Okay. Uh, I remember we had a couple of things on the books and I had to press you into service fast. Like I think the first show you played with us, we didn't have a lot of time to practice. Probably not. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't. What was? I don't remember the first show I did with you. But yeah, so the, according to this, two thousand nine, um, and uh, at the same time, Michael had joined. So uh, Michael Billado. Michael Billado joined the band. Uh, Seth left, and um, Michael joined, and. And then pretty soon after that, Erica started playing melodica with us. She yeah. was she wasn't playing with us, and then she started playing melodica with us. And that that kind of like that whole phase to me of the band, like things, like I said, they they really changed. I mean, the lineup changed. Mm-hmm. And looking at this, it's interesting because it was only like you know two or three years with certain folks, and then mm-hmm. when we finally locked locked in with you know some of the new players and Eric, Eric had already joined. He was already with us. Mm-hmm. Um, we did Providence Piers because I think we wanted to try out strange ways, right? Like we wanted to see what. Yeah, I think that so. Well, actually, I, like. from what I, I was trying to go back and, and remember if, and I'm probably wrong, but I thought it was, we played fest in Gainesville. And I thought that we had, I know that we connected with some bands, you know, some of the like paper and plastic crew and stuff. So again, I'm probably wrong, but I thought that we had connected with them and then we're like, let's try to do a seven inch. Yeah. So we went and it probably was, you know, like what you were saying as well of like, well, let's try strange ways. It's, you know, obviously here in Providence. Um, but you're right. So I thought it was that, we, that we, we wanted to try to record some songs. I think that we were just probably like overachievers because we ended up doing a bunch of them. But I thought it was just to get a batch to hopefully do some like split seven inches. That that timeline matches up because we played Fest in 2008 the first time. And then we played again in 2009. And we were connecting with a lot of those bands. We were bringing them up here mm-hmm. um, and playing shows at the at the penalty box um and we were probably looking to partner with some people there was like for a brief second there was a band from gainesville called anchor arms that was really interested in doing a split and that would have been on whatever label they were on mm-hmm. um and that never happened it fell apart so but we yeah. did you know we had we had those songs that we, the first batch of songs that we recorded at Strange Ways, and we released that as uh, the Providence Pier Sessions. I think we might have just, like, given them away. I think we were, like, we were, like, interested in hooking up with somebody. So we had something that we could, like, hey, this is, the, here's the band. Here's the recording of the band. Yeah. Well, I, I, I guess going back to the outer print stuff, we did a hundred cassette singles oh that's right because it was yeah i mean it's such a you know going back to this time that releasing something exclusively on digital 
well, honestly, it still doesn't connect in my mind, but it was mm-hmm. even less connected back in 2009 of like, this is only available as a digital download. So, um, you know, what is next to a, a seven inch with an A side and a B side? Like, let's just put this out yeah. on a cassette single. And yeah, it was that same kind of DIY you made all the covers. You, yeah. You yeah. glued all of the covers yeah, yeah. together. The sleeves. <laughs> yeah. Which I'm sure that like what you were saying of like the idea is pretty cool. The prototype is pretty cool. And but then when you're like in production, you're like, oh, dubbing all of these and then stamping all of them and gluing yeah. all of these. It's like this is a uh, that's you know, where the love has to yeah. come. <laughs> yeah. Because if you don't have the love you're not yeah. gonna follow through on that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm not sure if any of those are still around, but yeah, putting out a cassette single back in 2009 was actually yeah one of the. We know. did a, a a video. Remember the video where we're trying to put the cassette into all the different things. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to yeah. pull that back out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I, 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 that one I can definitely get you a YouTube clip for. Yeah, it's, nice. it's still out there in the world. Yeah, yeah, like putting on a record player. Or... We, put in, we put it in the toaster. <laughs> yeah, we put in a record player. We try to put it in a yeah. CD player. Yeah. So, those that are listening to this and know that I love cassettes, it's it's for real. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, and, go, <laughs> is, yeah. and goes way back. Yeah, it goes way back. You know. <laughs> Add, you know, recording at, at Strangeways was a fun experience. Um, obviously, like like I said, the the people that work there um, were some people that I had looked up to. Uh, you know, fan of their bands and stuff. But um, you know, what was your experience like? And then obviously we went, and we'll just kind of segue right into a past we forget that we need to know, which was the full length that came out. Um, in 2011, but it was that, you know, kind of, you know, yeah. we did a, a session at Strangeways, you know, and then, and then said, let's come back and do the, the yeah, full Yeah, I, I really like working with Daryl. Um, by that point in the band, I think I had given up um, any uh, vision or thought of the band being, like, acoustic in... in well, I and mean, that's, that's not true either. Like... It's this interesting having this conversation because we did Shenandoah, which is yeah. a very acoustic song, uh, yeah. and we did uh, Saturday Night at Sea, which is, and we did uh, Bolin, which was yeah, like yeah. that's even yeah, very very uh, yeah. So I say that I ab- abandoned it. Maybe in my head, I I look at that record as being like the loud record, like yeah. that was the one that you know we were full on 
plugged in loud band. Yeah. Um, and um, it's taken me a little while to come back around to that record, but when I put it on now, I do see like the beauty in it. I think there uh -huh. are some things that we did on that record that are just really, I mean, Eric is melodica solo on Boland is like, Eric wrote that. This is like coming from somebody who doesn't read music and doesn't understand how that works. Like I remember Eric sending Erica like the sheet music through email mm -hmm. and her sitting at this table and just like plunking out the notes. And then I got my guitar and played it over it. And it was like, just, I mean, it was, it blew my mind that yeah. Eric was able to, you know, I think this should be the, you know, the, the solo for, yeah. uh, for, for Bolin. And it, it came out really, really nice. Yeah. Um, I liked working with Daryl. Um, he definitely understands the rock stuff for sure. Yeah. You know, he knows how to put together a rock record. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of rock songs on that mm -hmm. record. You know, I, f I feel like we were really kind of pushing the, you know, if the, if all the songs, like the recordings leading up to that one, we would get up to a certain point with the, uh, like the heaviness that the band could have. I think we really, I mean, like Farewell to Nova Scotia has like basically mm -hmm. like a little mosh part in it. I mean, it's like, yeah. it's, it's a, you know, it's, I was feeling my inner mm -hmm. return around was coming out with that record yeah, quite yeah, a like bit. Earlier know. punk band. Yeah, yeah. 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 And it felt good. It felt, I mean, and the shows were good. I mean, everything happening around that time yeah. was just like, you know, we did the year at Galway Bay. I think that was yeah. like a year and a half at Galway Bay where we would just play once a month there. Yeah. We could bring in other heavy bands and it didn't seem like it was a weird bill, you know? Like yeah. Like a sea shanty band with Restorations or sea shanty band with like some other punk band that we were bringing through. Like, yeah. I didn't find that it, was, it, it felt all that odd. Yeah. No, no. I mean, it all worked and probably, if anything, a lot of those bands seemed to kind of enjoy, if I remember correctly, kind of enjoyed playing shows with us just because it was something like, different. Not the, yeah, the not the typical, like, oh, they're just playing with another, you know, yeah. punk band or yeah. like another Gainesville style band or a whatever, New York punk band yeah. or whatever it was, you know. Um, but, yeah. And I, I just always found it to be amazing that and like in true orange nine millimeter fashion that the song four years before the mast <laughs> is on this record and not on the four years before the mast EP. That's, yeah it's because it wasn't um, written so but it just i think it's great you know yeah, i don't know yeah, just, <laughs> it was, I, I think i can't there, there's like a book or something six years before the mast or something okay. and there's there's a book that i i pulled that from but it was i took you know the the years that the band was together before, yeah. you know, four years before the mast. Um, and after we did that record, uh, I also never really put much thought into writing original songs mm -hmm. with Sharks Come Cruising because there's such a huge catalog of sea shanties that I've wanted to do. But all of a sudden, like, I got the itch to write some originals and mm -hmm. 
that was one of them. Wayward Boys was the other original that's on that record. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, we put out a song that had the name of the previous record. Yeah, I just think that's great, <laughs> you know. You know, with what you're talking about, though, so yes, Sharks and Cruising is performing sea shanties, but I would like to kind of just throw it out there of like what that like really means, you know, because um, it's not I, I guess I'm, it's not like the band is covering these songs, you know, like a lot of them, from my experience, or at least how they were presented to me, were like they are these acapella songs um that don't really have any instrumentation to them most of the times or Mm -hmm. if they do it's it's some small pieces so um what what you're doing like yes they are these traditional songs but there is much much more that's going into this there is much more songwriting there's much more like crafts coming into this than just saying oh we're going to take this song and we're just going to you know like what sharks from cruising is doing is is creating something so yes yeah. there are these original songs that are you know truly you know from you and the lyrics and everything from that but you know sharks is is doing more than just taking the song and say oh cool you know like or just like a cover band be like hey we're a yeah. molly crew i can just pull the charts from you know and we're gonna just play that song you know like i mean i think with the band it's uh especially with the longevity of it now like 15 plus years we have to remember that where sea shanties are today, which blows my mind almost on a daily basis, mm-hmm. we were so far away from that in you know two thousand and five, where mm-hmm. like I stumbled across these songs. Everyone's heard the story a million times, but like through watching Jaws and then going to the Providence Public Library and learning that they're was there were these work songs mm-hmm. that were, you know, maritime based and, you know, that they used to work the boats. And I had, I was so enamored by the whole thing when I like started looking into it. And I didn't know if anybody was doing those songs, you know, mm-hmm. since I've learned that, you know, like the Pogues were doing a lot of these sea shanties on their records and, you know, you, 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 you always feel like you discovered fire, you know, but yeah, yeah. somebody else yeah. got there, you know, before you, but it really was like, you know, 
I heard these songs, then I heard such a punk connection with mm -hmm. the way that they were arranged and the and the so the call and response. Call the, the call and response was like it, that yeah. was the thing. It was yeah. when I heard these songs, I was like, "This is what goes on at Babyhead," you know, on any given mat at any given matinee. This is what I was growing up with, and yeah. that's how kind of how I envisioned it. Um, and you know, putting the music to it was all my the background that I was playing in punk bands. So I was just kind of adapting that, what I learned there to the songs. And it was fun for me. It was a little easier for me than just straight up songwriting because the framework of the song was there. Oh, okay. So that was nice. But then being able to put, bring it in whatever direction you want to bring it in is still incredibly fun for me. Like, yeah. you know, every new song that we do, I can just put my own stamp on it, you know, like yeah. I'm not, I'm not held back. And then, you know, then as I got into it, I quickly realized that, oh, there is this sea music festival that's happening down at Mystic Seaport. So I would, I went down to that for a couple of years and you're right. It was, you know, to tra traditionally do these songs, it's basically all vocalization. There isn't a lot of instrumentation, maybe yeah. small, you know, maybe some banjo, some guitar, but it is to keep it traditional. It's, you know, their work songs. They would just be that. And we've grown into that too. I mean, I'm, I, I still love doing when we do a song that's just vocal, mm -hmm. you know, that, that, you know, we didn't do one on the new record, which is interesting, but you know, in past records we have, and yeah, if, if, that feels good too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the smartest clipper you will find. Oh, ho, way, ho, are you most done? The old wildcat on the swallowtail line. Clear away the track and let the bull giant run. Tell me, hey, rig a jig and a jaunting car. Oh, ho, way, ho, are you most done? Eliza Lee all on my knee. Clear away the track and let the bull giant run. Oh, the old wildcat on the swallowtail line. Oh, ho, way, ho, are you most done? Never a day behind the time. Clear away the track and let the bull giant run. Tell me, hey, rig a jig and a jaunting car. Oh, ho, way, ho, are you most done? Eliza Lee all on my knee. Clear away the track and let the bull giant run. When we get back to New York town. Oh, ho, way, ho, are you most done? We'll dance those Bowery girls around. Clear away the track and let the bull giant run. Tell me, hey, rig a jig and a jaunting car. Oh, ho, way, ho, are you most done? Eliza Lee all on my knee. Clear away the track and let the bull giant But yeah, you know, following up with that, um, you did the hardtack EP, and yeah, I'd love to talk about this because you mentioned packaging, and um, this might be, I don't know, I guess the start of some of the more inventive and creative and, you know, like interesting yeah. pieces that you've done. Um, and I, so I was looking back on the dates on that, and that's 2012, right? Yeah. Yeah, so... It was a major development in my life at that time. That's when Lily was born. Lily was born in 2011. So, um, and I think you had gone back to school. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, you were taking a break. Or yeah. You, you, I you, forgot you, when it was. You, it was you had let me know yeah. that you were going to not be... Um, 
not be around for as many shows because you're going to be going back to school. And that would have been 2012. Yeah, it was like 2012, yeah. It was when I went to Bryant. So I was still playing when I was at um, Bristol Community College and stuff like that. But I just knew like the the workload and everything with, yeah. you know, working and going to school and all that stuff. It was just kind of... And like what you were saying, you know, it was a great time playing the band because we had... We were we were busy, you know. Yeah. Was, uh, like yeah, we were doing some trips out of state, and but still, even you know, locally, we had like a good schedule of shows. Yeah. You know? And like people were, you know, I don't feel like we were ever like overplaying. People were still coming out, but I just yeah knew that it was not going to line up. I guess with that. So. Yeah. So I mean, I think uh, if we want to talk about the interesting packaging. Before we get off a past, we forget. Oh, yeah. Because, so with that record, we did what many bands were doing at that time in 20, was it 2011, 2010, 2011. We did a Kickstarter. We wanted to press the record to vinyl. Mm -hmm. At least I did. I knew knew that you did. It was really important to me that, like, it was going to be a a really good record, and I wanted to make sure that we, we had vinyl. Um... So we did a Kickstarter, and that was because you all had been playing for like a year and a half, many three-hour, three-set, like four or five-hour shows. Mm -hmm. And um, with the the packaging of it, you know, we, we made enough money to do the record. We didn't have to ask anybody in the band for recording money. But in order to release it the way that we wanted to release it, I knew it was going to be like another year playing shows before we would have enough money. So we did the Kickstarter. Yeah. And, um, and we raised the money with the Kickstarter and we pressed that record um, with Pirate Press and it looks really nice. It's a blue and brown swirled vinyl. It's really beautiful packaging. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in addition to that, we did the cards. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. We did the, um, cue cards. So for the, for those who don't know the early days of sharks come cruising, even now when we do shanty sing, we put up the lyrics on cue, cue cards on easels on each side of the stage. And we would do that all the time back then. So we put together a little package of the cards yeah. was in, in an envelope that looked like the, the case the case that we yeah, would like carry the cards around the, in. The stickers that are on the yeah, case. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Like and, um, and rather than having a lyric sheet, it's just these, you know, 12 little index cards that are inside. And that the idea for that came from that Limbeck record. Is that the oh, name yeah. of the band? Yep. Limbeck. That you let me borrow. And when I got that record and I saw that card pack in there, I was like, this is, yeah. I, I really like this, right? Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> so we had Caleb Cabral take pictures of, you know, like nice professional pictures of all the cue cards. And we got them made. And still, if you buy that record today, you're going to get the little card pack in it. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I was really happy. I'm really happy with that. That, that. that leg is just like a little little extra. Yeah, exactly. With the CDs, we, we gave the card, we give the card pack with the CDs too. Yeah. It's kind of nice. Again, yeah, just the importance of buying music and buying the physical copies and 
Like just knowing you that you get, get, cool get, get something special with it. Yeah, it's yeah. not just like, oh, yeah. well, here's a record that you could. Yep. Again, it was a little bit of a transitional period, but where like, yeah, you could have bought it on iTunes and, you know, thank you to anyone that has ever bought it on iTunes. But, you know, like it's, if you do pick up the record, if you do buy the CD, right. come to a show, um, there's some unique things that are just kind of exclusive to that. Yeah. And, um, and hopefully just add to the experience of listening to the album. Exactly. Um, I mean, I, I hope that there's somebody out there that as they play that record, pulls out the card pack yeah. and like reads along, you know, yeah, cause that, you can, cause yeah. you can. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that led to, so it was, it was kind of the orphan songs off of that record that we still had. Yep. Um, and I was interested in putting them out and Lily was, uh, just born so i didn't have i mean with a newborn at at home i didn't have a lot of time to be it was probably writing a little bit but i was unsure of where the band was gonna go because uh you were taking a break and i really didn't want to bring in another drummer i like that the idea of a new baby and a new drummer like was just like trying to teach someone else yeah to bring somebody else in to you know have them learn the songs and anybody who's a musician that has a newborn at home you'll understand the struggle of like you can no longer do the two o'clock nights yeah it's just not something that's going to happen so um i was trying to figure out what the where the band was going to go but i love putting stuff out and i don't even know how i got the idea about the hardtack yeah. I read must have read something about hardtack. Yeah. And which for those that aren't familiar with what hardtack it, is, it's can a cracker. It's a cracker. It's like uh it's so it's it would be food that the sailors would have eaten on the ships. Uh it's basically like a tasteless cracker that Just is like a way to preserve Yeah, like which is like flour. It's, yeah, it's a very yeah. simple recipe, like flour, water, and salt. And the idea is these things are rock hard, that hard tack, and you dip them in some kind of warm liquid and it and it gets, you know, softer. Yeah. Um, and I just got the it got it in my head that I was gonna bake hard tack. Yeah. And try to imprint the logo of the band on it and yeah. put it in a tin. Uh, with like three crackers in it and make a label and put a download code on the label and sell the hardtack EP. And, yeah. um, and that's what we did. Yeah. We, we released a record on hardtack. On hardtack. <laughs> so I know you mentioned a lot of bands that are doing sea shanties, but any of those people without hardtack, let's find think, out. I don't let's think anybody's out. put a, any hard anything out on hardtack. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I did get a really interesting uh, email from John Campbell, who's passed away now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was during what I think might have been like Superstorm Sandy or something. And he <laughs> sent me an email. Uh, Thank God for the hard tack. We had like no, no, no power, no power and like no running water or something down where he was. And he's like, I dug my hard tack out. It's floating in the water. Safe, <laughs> <laughs> John Campbell. Wow. 
And then, yeah, there, I guess like what you were just saying of the your family growing and stuff like that. But it was like a few years before the next release, Kettle Jane, um, mm. like 2016. Um, this was released as a book. Yeah. And, um, you know, has the cover is a stone carving that your friend Julia. Wollen. Uh, yeah, Julia Wollen. St- uh, stone carving is the, is the cover. Yeah. Probably the most ambitious project overly ambitious project that is that why some of the gap or was it more just, well it was, was it yeah it was or was it just like it took a while there was a lot going on okay uh there was a lot going on because lily was a newborn i had switched positions at my job and um was putting more time into work than I had been previously, and I guess also just for those listening to clarify, Erica, who plays Melodica in the band, is your yes. wife as well. So it's like a, you're yes. in this together. Yeah, we're know, we're, so. we're raising a small child together, um, and I mean, not to put too much of the spotlight on you, but I had to totally rethink the band when when you took the break because I didn't want another. I didn't want to teach somebody else the songs. I, I didn't I didn't really want to bring anybody else into the fold. I just kind of I didn't have the mental capacity to to do that. Mm-hmm. And um I started um experimenting around with playing percussion myself, mm-hmm. which was absolutely horrible at first. I mean, it was embarrassingly difficult. Um, trying to do like kick and yeah so i i pulled i pulled the whole setup directly from dave lamb's setup uh i would watch brown bird play and i was always like fascinated by how dave could do all of that at once and sound so wonderful Uh, Mm -hmm. and i asked him lots of questions about the he's got like he had a very specific uh it's like a unit to move the tambourine. Yeah, and, uh, like, like you get a wood block, a tambourine, and a third instrument on this thing, and it and it swivels. Yeah. And um, so I I took that and um, just because I'm very stubborn, you know. First, I think it was just, it was just a kick, and then I added that, and then I also added a hi hat, and. Um, you know, the first batch of songs, which are on Kettle Jane, <clears throat> it was a struggle. I mean, really? we recorded that in my basement. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the idea was just to see what recordings in this format would sound like. My friend Chris Priva came down, who I, he had played in Return Around with me. He came down and we did a lot of it, just him and I in the basement. And then everybody tracked separate. Um, yeah. We, Luke was playing fiddle with us at the time. And, uh, you know, these interviews are so hard because, you know, John Cannon played on all of the records too, the fiddle player. Yes. And I've totally not mentioned him yeah. until now. But anyway. Um, hey, John. Yes. <laughs> you know, fantastic fiddling on uh, on four years before the mast and everything after that was John until Luke joined. And so we, we tracked everything, um, 
separately. And it shows when you listen to the songs, they're clunky. Oh, like it just didn't have that. It like, didn't have a co cohesive, like to the point where there, a lot of the reason why that took so long to come out is because, you know, we would listen to it and we would just be like, I would listen to it and I would say, well, this isn't, this is what it sounds like right now. And I, I just love the document of having a document of what's happening at that moment in time. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, with, some of the other folks in the band, we just struggled with like, do we release this? Do we not release this? And I, I really kind of took it upon myself to just push through. And it was actually Robert Fisher, of all people, Will Grant Conspiracy Robert, um, who he, I was talking to him one night and I was like, I sent him the songs and I said, what, what do you think? And he just said, is it an accurate depiction of what is going on with the band right now and i said yeah and he said just release it and move on <laughs> yeah and i think that was really really good advice you know mm -hmm. like don't sit on it don't have regrets that you know it wasn't pristine and perfect just release it and then do the next thing yeah and the the issue was i had this vision of the book and to do the book i had to get in touch with eight artists and then I had to figure out how to lay a book out in whatever software. I, like, I didn't pay anybody. I tried to pay people to do it, <laughs> but, oh, really? but I couldn't connect with anybody who could help me out. And in the end, it was myself and my buddy, Adam Friedman, who was working at Meridian Printing. Um, and he helped me tremendously lay it out. He contacted me with the, the box company that made the slip cover for yeah. it. Um, Meridian printed them uh, so without Adam that wouldn't have happened and you know I just had this vision of like and then I'm going to hand stamp in the download codes and you want to talk about like it's a great idea until it isn't like yeah. hand stamping in number and letter download codes into books is a very time consuming project <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and um, you know we did it, and I, I, I love it. I, I, that's another project that, like, I look fondly upon it. And, you know, of all the things on the merch table now, like, because yeah. I still bring them everywhere. It's kind of like the business card now. If I meet somebody for the first time, I'll give them a book. Yeah. And that's, like, to me, like, way more meaningful than, you know, scribbling my number down on a piece of paper, you know, or whatever. And uh, folks seem to really, you know, it grabs people's attention when they see it. Yeah, yeah, versus just a vinyl or yeah. versus, yeah. yeah. And the artwork is really, the, the artwork that people delivered, they really delivered nicely. Yeah, um, that's cool. You know, I, I just asked for their visual interpretation of the song. And, yeah. you know, that's, rolls, that's yeah. what I got back.
when I get home from across the sea was the next recording, 2018. Um, this was back in the studio, I guess, even kind of connected to Brownbird, uh, you know, friends of ours. Um, mm -hmm. They had recorded at Dirt Floor. Um, yeah, can you talk about the, uh, you know, the experience of recording that yeah, album? Because um, so it just seems like it was a lot different than what... Yeah, for sure. Passive recording and, in your basement or here more locally in Providence, you know? And I was surprised when I talked to Eric at Dirt Floor. I don't think Brownbird ever actually recorded... Oh, if, really? If, if, they, if they did record at Dirt Floor, it wasn't anything that was released. I, I was okay. surprised to hear that, too, because I got in touch with them specifically because I knew that Brownbird had done some work with Dirt Floor. And Morgan Eve, I, I think, will, um, she's, she's played on on Dirt Floor Records yeah. and Eric and Morgan Eve, it seems like they, you know, they have, they have a connection, they're friends. Yeah. Um, I think that, that might be like a Connecticut thing. I'm not sure. But at, yeah. at any rate, when I had mentioned that to him, that like the reason that I chose Dirt Floor is because he had recorded a setup that was going to be similar, like a singer that plays the drums and guitar and does it all at once like I was concerned about bleed and like how is this gonna work like if I'm doing it all is it is it just gonna bleed into every single mic you know yeah and that was originally why I had contacted them and then when I got down there I, it, uh, he kind of set me straight on that oh, okay. however it didn't matter because the record came out really really nice um, yeah they you know the, the the experience at dirt floor was unlike any studio experience that I had had in the past. Mm -hmm. um, it just not that other studios weren't total pro, but like, you know, you grow up doing punk demos and, you know, like you kind of have an idea of what that process is like. But then we showed up at Dirt Floor and um, like we rolled in at 10 a.m., and I think at 11.30, they were like, you're rolling. Like, mm -hmm. like it, it, there was no setup time. Like, everything was already ready to go. We just had to put the like, instruments. Put your amps behind them. We yeah. just had to put the instruments in. <laughs> yeah. And, like, yeah. there was no, like, you know, the, you know how it goes. Like, that uh, hours of getting sounds and this and that. Yeah. They, they just had it all dialed in. They, you know, they, uh, they did a fantastic job. Recording that record, it's all live, um, with the exception of the melodica parts, because Erica was watching the kids, so she had to come to the studio like yeah. the next day and do the melodica parts and the backing vocals. But um, I love that record. I, I I think it it we I I think it was the uh, what I was trying to do with Kettle Jane, you know, and all of those years that passed of you know, trying to get this percussion, foot percussion, guitar, singing thing down, I think it really, like, it was more locked in, certainly, when we, when we did that record. Mm -hmm. And then that was another packaging uh, overambitious. <laughs> yeah, because it came out on double 10-inch <laughs> lathe cut that Audio Geography does, yep. right? Uh or did, you know, um, does, Tyler yeah. still does, but yeah. you know. He, he did, wasn't he here though. Yeah, he was in Florida at the time. And I, I forget, 
you might have given me his name. I'm not sure. Somebody, somebody gave me his name. I don't think me. I don't know. I think that you probably were the first. Oh, um, yeah. I, and then, I've done some things with Tyler now. But, but yeah. yeah and then was, uh, since he's now he's in Rhode Island, which is so interesting. Um, but yeah, doing a double 10 inch screen print. Yeah. So, so I, 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 I think I was like looking around for packaging and I saw like whatever company that sells the, you know, one of those companies that sells record packaging, they had like a flash sale for like double 10 inch gatefold. And like, my mind was just like, Oh, that would be so cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I ordered them. And then I had the I had the gatefold jackets, and I was like, "All right, this is how we got to do it." Mm-hmm. And uh, we didn't have you know a, a lot of money. We couldn't certainly couldn't press vinyl, so uh, we did this double gatefold ten inch that uh, were lathe cuts and you know hand stamped on the plain white label the name of the band and side A side B. We did a super small run of those like. I think for the actual gatefolds, there were probably only like 20 or 30. Uh-huh. Um, and then we did another batch of just a 10 inch because they were, they were cost prohibitive. Like if yeah. we wanted to make the cost back, we had to like charge like 40 bucks for them, you know, yeah. which there were friends that were interested in having it because it's cool. Um, but that's not something that no one's going to lay down 40 bucks on the merch table to, you know, so we had a cheaper, like $20 option for like a 10 inch record. Um, but I, they, they came out cool. I'm glad that we did it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, screen printing was done by teeth like swords mm-hmm. and you have the CD version as well. Um, yeah, Paul, did, Holly, Paul Holly did, did, Paul did the, he did the LPs and uh, he did the the 10-inch jackets and he also did the screen printed the CDs and then yeah Holly Amity did the uh, the artwork for that record. Yeah, it's really cool artwork. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. It's it's really nice. Let's uh, fast forward five years to now. <laughs> I wish I was on Gansett Bay. Yeah. It comes out October 21st, 20th? The 20th is going to be the official release date, but the record release party will be the 21st. Yeah, okay. Yep. Um, I've been making jokes on on stage that, you know, we're doing this record, and if you look, like, 
as far as the LPs go, they're, they're spaced out. Um, not exactly in five year increments, but like, you know, close enough that we can say we do a record every five years. Yeah. And I've been joking that that's the amount of time you need to forget what a tremendous waste of money doing a record is. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, you know, the, 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 the sting of it is um, worn off enough that you're like, yeah, let's do this again. Yeah. Yeah. Like it just it becomes hazy and then you forget about yeah, it or whatever. Exactly. But like right now you're like, oh. I just yeah. spend a lot of time and money and on recording this stuff. Yeah, time, energy. Yeah, just the, the, the when you're doing it yourself, as anybody who's listening to this knows, it's a tremendous amount of work. Yeah. Um, you know, between the studio recording and the listening and the mixing and then deciding what it is that you're going to produce for a product and all of the logistics that go into that. It's, just, it's, 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 it's a lot of work. You got to do it because you love it because if you, yeah. if you don't, it's yeah. not for you. Yeah. Um, but I would say that I think it's great that you are taking the time to do an interview with me or taking the time to um, try to get some more awareness just because there's a lot of people that do that and maybe they're not spending as much time or whatever because people can record in their home or whatever but like there's still a lot of people that spend months and months or years putting together an album and not do that and then it's it's just yeah. like this like well, quick that, like little blip of like hey yeah. i just I, spent I, a year putting out or working on this album i put it out and then like by the, the end of that weekend it's it seems like it yeah like, and it i doesn't I, have that i like, think so i think it's important to do this stuff and to yeah. you know again we'll get into it like so prior to this album coming out you did release the pay me my money down seven inch mm -hmm. um you know so doing these types of things of, of yeah you know, uh, i think a lot of that was properly a lot of that was learn from you know i i feel like the mistakes that we made with um and when i say we more, more me. I mean, the the guys, they 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 contribute. You know, they're 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 the music. I mean, they are the record. Um, but a lot of these decisions that I'm making, you know, I come up with the the idea and then I run it by them. And you know, most of the time it's thumbs up, go mm -hmm. for it. You know, um, but it's it's me making the decisions and when we released the last record, when I get home from across the sea, uh, you know, we had such a fantastic experience in the studio and it sounded so good coming out. And I, I feel like I was the guy that you just described. Like, I just thought this record was gonna, uh, carry itself. I mean, it sounds so great. I'll, you know, slap together a press release and, you know, the music's going to speak for itself. And we did do, uh, we did a record release show. I, we might have incorporated it into Shanty Sing. I don't know. And then we did a show at the Collaborative in Warren. But I didn't put the time into the, this part of it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I think looking back on that experience, I said, well, the next time we do it, I definitely want to spend more time thinking about like, okay, so once the record is, once it's recorded, what happens after that? Mm -hmm. and, th and that's where, you know, the idea of a single, I've never done a single before. 
Um, I love seven inches. I love the idea of having a seven inch, you know, um, and I figured if, well, part of that was we recorded at uh, Big Nice for this record. Yeah. And um, I was curious to know, you know, like what that experience was going to be like. And I didn't want to go two feet into, you know, like I didn't want to jump full on in to doing committing to a whole record i wanted to see what could be produced and they did a bang up job yeah sounds really nice and um that was the two songs that we did we did boston harbor and pay me my money down when we were in the in the studio uh it was it was like oh november last november like it might have been last november okay like almost a year ago we mm-hmm. did those two songs, and then you know we planned out the planned out the release and uh, and did the video. Like we were recording all of that. The video for "Pay Me My Money Down" was all done last year in the summertime. Mm-hmm. Um, like not this past summer, but the one before that. So, uh, so anyway, I, I did put a little thought into like, okay, let's get some something out there. Let people know that we got a record coming out, um, and then. Okay, now we're ready to release the the whole thing after the after the um, single came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it does. It, it sounds fantastic. Um, just like really clean sounds to it. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that I've heard come out of Big Nice is is uh, really um, amazing. And this is another yeah like, great record that they did. So like, shout out to them. But highly recommended. Um, you know, one thing that was kind of interesting, is, I'd love to just hear you talk a little bit more about it, was just how, you know, some of the song arrangements on this new record, um, you know, reflect a dramatically different, like, approach um, than some of the earlier stuff, you know? So, like, can you just elaborate on, on, yeah, on that? Yeah, so I, this record, even though it has some tracks that you know sound like they could have been on the last record you know they they have very similar energy but there's um there's a number of tracks that are a lot softer um softer is the wrong word more layered uh, a lot the instrumentation is different so matt plays cello on a couple of tracks matt our everett our fiddle player he brought the cello in, uh, mm-hmm. also plays whistle on a track, which we've never experimented around with the mm-hmm. whistle. Um, and alongside, I think, the the songs that kind of have that more, what folks have come to know as like Sharks Come Cruising sound, in the last seven years, uh, they've we also have some pretty delicate stuff on mm-hmm. there. Some, yeah. you know, we've always kind of, even the record that you did, you know, Shenandoah is a pretty delicate song and Boland is a pretty delicate song. Um, but this record kind of takes that arranging and I think like turns it up a notch, mm-hmm. you know, um, thoughtful string arrangements to the songs. Yeah. yeah. Um, that, you know, maybe just with age, we're kind of getting there. Yeah. Uh, I think the the unit of the band is to, it, it kind of has reached a point that like we can, um, 
really like I think Eric, our banjo player, I think Matt Everett, Michael Bilodeau, like even you know Erica, they're kind of bringing their own thing to the songwriting process. Yeah. It's not just like, well, here's the shanty and here's how it's going to go. It's like they're really thinking about how the songs are going to come together and where their part fits. Mm-hmm. And Logan, our accordion player, who's been, he's like the most, he's the new guy, even though he's been <laughs> he's with us for five years. Yeah, I was going to say, it's been a while, um, And, you know, his, what he brings to it from an accordion perspective is like, I think also just adding another layer of kind of depth to the songs. Mm-hmm. But I think overall, as a, as a record, and, you know, this didn't come out till I you know, started thinking about like, what are we going to give people for a press release? And, mm-hmm. you know, when I really started sharing with the guys, um, it became, a, you know, evident that like, yeah, we've kind of turned a little bit of a corner where like, mm-hmm. it's not, if you think you know what Sharks Come Cruising sounds like, mm-hmm. you should probably give this record a listen because it might surprise you. Yeah. I think. Yeah. No, definitely. Uh, I think that you're hitting on all points. Um, a standout song for me is Patty and the Whale, and, and maybe it's just because it does kind of harken back to more of that, yeah. um, you know, louder. Not that the song is loud, but it just has that, that energy of what yeah. the Sharks was back then. It's like um, the closest thing to a metal song on the record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is not very close to a metal song, but it just has that... That, you know, earlier call and response. And, yeah. and there's a lot of, of call and response of the album, but it just yeah. has a, a little bit more of a, a pace behind it and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, there's some re-recorded pieces yep. uh, that uh, you brought in here. And then, yeah, there's the, the other um, element that you were talking about. I, yeah, I think that the, just the, more song craft that, that's behind it. Um, and that's the reason for the re-record on, like I said, Kettle Jane was like, it was kind of like a grand experience. What what would it be like to do a record without a drummer, you know? And we we did it, and I'm glad that we did it because I can look back and say that's what the early iteration of what that was was. And we got Luke on the recording, which he's a he's a not here anymore. He's in St. Louis, so it's really great that we have a recording with that fiddle player. <laughs> um, but we continued to play those songs. We didn't, yeah. we didn't scrap them. And in some of them like charts, which is, uh, it's the only original on the record. We did that on Kettle Jane and it wasn't like, I was watching a video of me performing that in JJ's backyard. And I was like, the song's in the wrong key. Like I'm not singing it. Like, the reason why I've never been happy with the song is because it's too low. I need to oh, okay. bring it up a step. And once I did that, I, f- I already like loved that song because Eric's banjo line is absolutely like heartbreakingly beautiful in that song. Mm-hmm. And once we brought it up the step, changed the key, I was like, oh, now we need to do something with this mm-hmm. song. We need to properly record it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a standout on the record. It's like, cool. It's like something that you, you know, haven't heard before. Yeah, it's worth a listen. Mm-hmm. 
song for the forgotten sounds and sing a song for right now sing it out for the ones we have lost and sing it loud for ones But I guess with that, like what song or songs are you most excited for people to hear on this? It's funny because when we, when we, you know, first went into Big Nights and we did Pay Me My Money Down, um, that was the one. I was like, yeah, this is a little different than other stuff that we've done. And it's got like, it's got a really uh, great feel to it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's like a it's kind of a theme that everyone can relate to pay me my money down. I mean, like yeah. who hasn't been in a spot where they haven't been paid their money down. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and that, that one, you know, was definitely high on my list. But then when we went in, we actually ended up recording 14, the two songs didn't make the new record. Um, and, uh, I really do love Patty and the whale. We, have a video that we are currently working on for Patty and the Whale oh, that cool. is going to be, um, uh, it's a doozy. <laughs> um, so, yeah. uh, so hopefully you're we'll, working with, with, with Dave Lauer. Yeah. Uh, cool. Run of the mill. Nice. Run of the mill. And he, he also did the video for pay me my money down. Yeah. Cool. Amazing drone footage of the, um, Oliver Hazard Perry down in Newport. He like, I, that guy's a magician. I don't know yeah, how yeah. he does what he does, but uh, just incredible drone shots of the of the ship. Um, yeah, can't recommend him enough either. Like mm -hmm. if anybody's looking for music video, that guy, he's putting up a lot with a lot with this let, let next thing that we're <laughs> going to be doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so I really do love. Patty and the Whale, I think that's a, a great tune. I think uh, Charts is probably the one that, you know, because it's an original. Yeah. It's, it's our song, and I think that that's a real standout mm -hmm. for me. Um, and then the opening, the opening track, yep. Sugar in the Hole, uh, which uh, is the opening line. The opening line of the record is the name of the record, so I wish I was on Gansett Bay, which is a little twist on the actual song. Uh, it, it's I wish I was in Mobile Bay, but this is the great part about folk music. You can do yeah. whatever you want with it. So, yeah. uh, you know, change the first line, make it more local, uh, can sing it with more conviction. Yeah. And, I, you know, that's, to me, that's a really nice track, too, because it's it's pretty straightforward. There isn't a lot of, there aren't a lot of changes in it, but it, it has these nice breaks where you can really hear 
ollie instruments, you yeah. know, like we don't say, you know, banjo is going to take this solo and, you know, accordion is going to take that solo and fiddle is going to take that. And then we'll, if that's not kind of how the band operates, but they, we've all been playing long enough together that in those musical interludes, you get like a little flavor for each of the instruments, and, yeah. you know, what, what, yeah. what's going on. Yeah. Oh, cool. And yeah, so this is coming out on limited edition green vinyl. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Um, yeah, can you just talk a little bit more about, because I'm sure you're doing some cool packaging with this. Yeah, and, so uh, um, the records are, um, so Swamp Yankee did the artwork for us, which mm-hmm. seems to be really, it's grabbing people's eye. I mean, a lot of folks have really commented to me about, and it is, it's a beautiful piece. It's not uh, what I envisioned when I, f- I first reached out to him. Okay. Just gave him total, you know, freedom to do what he does. I, yeah. My only recommendation was, or suggestion was, I didn't want another ship because the last three records have all had ships on them. Yeah. And, or if it was a ship, like maybe from a different perspective or something, and then uh, he delivered these mermaids and this fisherman, which are um, really interesting. And then for the seven inch, so he designed this first. The and then cover, yeah. the album cover. And then I asked him, I said, for the seven inch, I want you to take a part of the album cover and just focus in on like one, one specific piece. Yeah. And okay. So the seven inch has a very close up of the mermaid, one of the mermaids that's uh, on the record cover. So there's definitely a tie in between the seven inch yeah. and the LP, which I really like. Um, and then I also took from this tradition of uh, folkways records from the from the seventies. Mm-hmm. They um, they weren't screen printed. They were it's it's a label that gets wrapped around the the jacket. So yeah. um, what I I've I've actually had these. 11 by 17 little little smaller 11 by 17 labels printed and then i hand press them onto the jacket and wrap them around and what's really cool about uh these records that i modeled it off of is the back is like three quarters blank which yeah, is very it looks very interesting awesome to me it looks fantastic uh, yeah we'll post some pictures of what this just so you like you get an idea of so it's based, oh, yeah. it's, it's based like right off of that. Like, yeah, I could get these like sea shanties out vinyl. Yeah. So folkways in the in the seventies did some really interesting packaging, and there was just something about all that negative space on the back when I looked at these records, and I'm just like, this is just like so cool. So um, modeled it right after that, and then the other thing that we'll be doing with this record for just the LPs is. Each one of these records from the 70s would always come with like a, a little booklet, like a typeset. Looks like it was typed on a typewriter. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and always like all this great information about the shanties. So I'm showing James one from one of these records from the 70s. But, you know, basically just gives you like information about who's on the record, but also like the shanties themselves and, mm-hmm. you know, what how they were used on the boats so i took the idea of these booklets that are in almost every one of these folkway records yeah and i created 
one, it looks like a fanzine. Yeah. Um, and I just had like a little intro and then I just grabbed like artwork from over the years, yeah, Sharks like Come Cruising show artwork, flyers and stuff um, and... show flyers. Yeah. And um, so there's some graphic stuff in there with, um, you know, shows that I've done, shows that we've done and <clears throat> in, and all the lyrics to the songs. So yeah, with the LP, you'll also get this six page um, That's cool. little booklet that is, you know, printed, stapled together. And yeah. We'll just throw those in. In the LP. I dig it. Um, and I, I do. I love the, the label. It, you've like the inspiration. And again, we'll post some photos just so people can see um, if you just follow us on social media, Instagram or whatever. Um, it just, yeah, it was a cool connection with that. Um, yeah. But yeah, it just looks, looks really Awesome. And this was, you just had labels printed locally, right? At, at, at format. format printing. Yeah, in North Providence. <laughs> yep. Yeah, shout out to them. They've yep. done so many posters for me. And, um, yeah, and, and I thought it was going to, you know, you just never know with this stuff. Like, I don't know, as an oversized label, like, what's that going to cost me? Yeah, like, yeah. You, you know, you just don't know. And when you walk into a, a printer, with a record from the seventies and you're like, I want to do something like this. Yeah. And just to have a place that's like, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> it was, it, you know, it was like, wasn't even, you know, it, 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 it like, it wasn't even, it was you like, yeah, have yeah. to explain yeah. too yeah. much nope. or try nope. to, it was yeah. just like, yeah, we can do that. You want them trimmed down? Okay. We'll trim them down for you. Um, yeah. so, so yeah, that we'll, we'll have them printed over there. And, uh, the hardest part is just getting them on, Getting that, getting that on the spine is not exactly the easiest thing to do. The, no. the lettering on the spine, you have a very small amount of, so like when, once you peel that off, man, you're, you're committed. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's cool. It looks beautiful. People should definitely check this out. Um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about the album release party and, you know, kind of what you have um, you know, in the future, even kind yeah. of beyond that. And then, uh, but yeah, so that's October 21st at Narragansett Brewery in Providence. Yep. Um, what time is that? It's going to be seven to 10. Cool. So, um, we'll do an early set for our family friendly friends that, mm -hmm. you know, want to make it out. Our Shanty Sing, you know, crew. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we'll do, uh, a later set, which that will be the latest that we've played at Gansett. We've played there a decent amount of times, but it's always usually in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do the late night, late night yeah. at Gansett. And I'm assuming this is a free show. Like yep. it usually it'll is be, there. it will be free. Um, but you can buy this album there. We will have the records for sale. I uh, will have the CDs for sale. We have t-shirts uh, with the album cover on them cool. uh, for sale and um, we are in talks with Swamp Yankee uh, and Gansett to uh, have a record release poster made for the show so that cool. is that's in the works uh, like this is like real time so um, we'll see what happens you know yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that all that pulls through uh, but yeah that's the 21st 
And then actually the night before, we're going to be playing in Groton, Connecticut at a place called 40 Thieves. Um, so that will be on the actual release day of the record. We'll be in Groton, Connecticut, just just outside of Mystic there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're playing with a band called Bards of Gungiwomp. Uh, and then the next night we'll be at Gansett, and I'm still trying to nail down. I want to get something for the Sunday, but it's not coming through quite yet, so um, we'll just hold off talking about that. Yeah. So hopefully we can get... Hopefully we can get three things, not all in Providence, um, on that weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. And um, outside of that, we've got our monthly shanty sing that we do at the parlor, second Friday of every month. So we will be there on the uh, on the thirteenth of October, and um, and then you know November, December, we're there. Yeah. Second yeah. Friday of every month. Cool. Nine years running. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long residency. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah. I can't believe that, that it's going to be 10 years in May. It's wow. like insanity to me. Do you have anything uh, percolating in? I, I wish. I, you know, I, I, like every ounce of what I got in me has been going to the record. Um, yeah. So I haven't really had much time to think beyond that. I did have a fun run of shows with Anthony. Oh yeah, in the summer solo tour we did. Yeah, we yeah. did four four shows together, and that was kind of a nice break from you know the recording and yep mixing and all of that. And then I was able to hit the road for some shows with him. And Matt Everett actually joined us for three of the shows so that was really great yeah that's awesome yeah it was a lot of fun yeah yeah well excellent well yeah i highly recommend everyone check out i wish i was on gansett bay sharks and cruising's new album um it'll be available wherever you get music um you can head to sharksandcruising.com um yeah anything else you wanted to shout out for people um support you yeah just probably the newsletter uh, you know just probably the we can't say it enough as artists that um streaming is convenient but streaming is not paying the artists and um the more you can get out to shows and support the people that you love that are making art uh, they appreciate it more than you know. And um, if you buy a T-shirt or buy a record or buy a CD, um, it's you can't even make the comparison of what one record sale at a show does for a band financially mm-hmm. <laughs> as compared to streaming. Yeah, It's, you know, so... You know, that, that's not necessarily a plug to buy our record, but that is a plug that, you know, I think bands just aren't vocal enough with, um, you know, the musician community already knows. You and I don't have to sit here and talk mm-hmm. about what a sham streaming is. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes the people outside of that world don't have any... I, they, they think they're just doing the right thing. They're listening to you on Spotify. Like... That's got to be like, 
you know, you got to be getting something for that. But the reality is we're not like it's 0.002 cents per play. Like you can't even do the math to figure out how many Spotify streams it takes to, you know, make a dollar. So just, you know, get out, enjoy, enjoy music. That's probably, you know, the, the the live music experience is probably the best way to support. Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, thanks so much, Mark. I'm, I'm really excited that we got to do this, and I can't wait for people to hear the new record. Me either. Um, you know, uh, and if, if you're not familiar with Sharks and Cousin, you know, please check out the discography that we just talked about in this interview, or, you know, check out some videos online. Um, or, yeah, you have, if you're here in Rhode Island plenty of opportunities to uh, come out and uh, and see what they're doing and um, and you know support them and just to, again be a part of that community and that community is very wide you know like again when I was playing with you it was very uh, we definitely fell into that Celtic punk and you know the fans of Dropkick Murphys and the Pogues would come out and see us um, but over this time it, it's you know you can go to the Shandy Sang and it's purposely an earlier time that you know i've brought my kids over the years and they're young and and they're you know it's this like way to just really get uh everyone involved with music and um i just appreciate that as a as a fan um but it's just a a very wonderful thing what you're doing of just you know i hope my legacy is that there are all, all all children that like wind up at shanty sing they're all gonna go they're gonna be scattered to all corners of the country and the world and they're going to be talking to other people you know when they're in college and they're going to be like you didn't have a shanty sing <laughs> in your town or they're just going to know these songs you know like where everyone's like oh i knew all these you know radio hits or these were songs that i guess would be you know exactly. on like the most popular playlists right. or you know and you're like oh no i know you know, be, in the alley or, you know if they're gonna be a pocket of children from providence that yeah. that carry on sea yeah. shanties then yeah. i figured that's a win yeah well fantastic <laughs> Thanks so much, Mark. Appreciate it. Cool. Well, Patty Maloney left Ireland with glee. He had a strange notion to sail across sea. Shipped a whale catcher that was South Georgie bound. And the way that she pitched made his head go around. Boy, and then he did blow a mile in the air when
got spat out quite safe on the shore And he swears that he'll not go to sea anymore The next time he follows an adventurous notion It'll be when the railway goes over the 